so are you DTFF? Talking fantasy football with your hosts, Dustin Lunt and Jake Trowbridge. All right. Welcome back to Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football. We have got a jam-packed show tonight. Uh, for those of you that are, are live with us on YouTube, you can see we've got a full screen. We've got four wonderful guests joining us to talk about the NFC South, uh, talking about their teams. Uh, so let's get right into it. Let's not waste any time this evening. Uh, first, I'll introduce my co-host, Jake Trowbridge. Jake, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good, but there's not a moment to spare, so don't waste any time on me. Let's talk to these other fun people. All right, so I'll go around the room and introduce you one by one. So representing the Panthers this evening, we have Jeff Hazley. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. And repping the Saints, we've got Kelvin Shoemake. Hi, Cal. What's up, guys? For the Falcons, we have Nick Penikoff. How are you doing, Nick? How are you doing, everybody? Good. Good to be here. All right. And then last but certainly not least, uh, representing the Super Bowl champs of the Bucks, we got J.B. Barry. How are you doing this evening? <laughs> I'm doing great. I love how you saved the champs for last, Dustin. Appreciate that. Well, love being on with you guys. Super Bowl, schmooper bowl. Am I right? <laughs> got to show respect, you know. They are the Super Bowl champs. So, <laughs> All right. So um, this is the Drinking and Talking football podcast here so we always talk about what are we drinking gentlemen are you guys imbibing in any beverages tonight with us yes no oh yeah See, I've, got love it. I've got some propel gatorade water i'm, I'm, I'm going uh full bore here hydration station that's all right too. Mm-hmm. hydration oh, station yeah. that's right nothing wrong with that <laughs> this, this cal i like your choice cal i love the purple haze mm-hmm. i love it on tap I, I haven't really had it in a bottle i love purple haze on tap good choice so the brewery for this is like literally like 15 minutes from my house it's like oh. right down the street so is that a beta? Like, yeah, yeah yeah nice yep. so, good it. new orleans representation that's right, right there in the bottle you that's gotta, right you appreciate that <laughs> jb is that a is that a big wave is that I, it is, and I'd love to be able to walk to this brewery 15 minutes away. But. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> that is one of my favorite drinkable session, like summer beers. I love a big wave. I will take that to the beach any time. Dustin, we mm-hmm. don't have big waves, but no. this beer that you presented today is, is pretty great. Yeah, this is uh, it's called Tectonic Uplift by Elder Pine Brewing. Uh, it's a New Zealand-style pilsner. I picked it because Teddy loves pills. Teddy loves the pills. Also, I never realized that New Zealand had its own style for things. So you do learn a few things. Something on this new podcast. every day. Hopefully more than just this. That's right. And I could talk beer all day, but we don't have time for that. We have got to move on. So let's get into our drunk trade of the week here. Drunk, 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 of the week. Hit us, Jake. This week's, we have just an oh-so-painful uh, drunk trade to discuss here, and I would love to get uh, a couple of opinions about this. I have an idea of which way you'll all lean, <laughs> but this week's was submitted by at Dynasty Island on Twitter. This is a 12-team Dynasty League. 
It goes after one week last year. I traded my third, fourth, and fifth round picks for the next three years. So quick math, that is three thirds, three fourths, three fifth round picks. Plus Chase Claypool for Tariq Cohen. The worst part is I offered the deal and it got accepted two days later. I hadn't even remembered offering it. So that's not so good. Just a quick refresher here. Tariq Cohen played three games last year. Uh, In week four, Chase Claypool, however, put up seven receptions for 110 yards and three touchdowns by his loans. So, so gentlemen, I'm just going to ask, is there any saving grace from this trade? Any redemption that can be had here? Can I say something? This is a message to let everyone know to put a trade out no matter what, because you never know who's going to accept it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Got to shoot your shot sometime. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wow. Shoot, I don't know about that. Um, and Chase Claypool. Um, yeah, that, that seems way, way on the wrong side of, of, uh, of winning that trade. I mean, but, the fact um, that he offered it is is the bigger issue. It's not like he was drunk and accidentally clicked the accept button. Yeah. He offered that. I mean, yeah. right, look, I'll put a lot of the blame on him for that, but I got to put some of the blame on his friends too, man. Friends don't let friends drink and make fantasy trades. <laughs> that's right. That's like up there with people trying to trade for uh, um, DJ Moore and then like putting in David Moore. Or, or, I mean, the, uh, the oh. other way around. Sorry. Mm-hmm. That's um, right. That's shenanigans talk. The right shenanigans, there. exactly. Yeah, so we don't, we don't want to give that. Man, yeah, that's, I would a, say that's the a most, pet trade. The surprising part, it took two days for the other guy to accept it. That's, that's probably <laughs> yeah. the most surprising part. <laughs> I mean, was was the other person giving him maybe some window space to be like, did you really mean to do this? And after two days, he's like, well, it's still here. <laughs> Try to be a nice guy, maybe. And was like, well, I'm just going to do it. Oh. Uh. Yeah. I think the one saving grace is usually those third, fourth, and fifth rounders are dart throws anyways. And then it was 2018, Tariq Cohen was the RB11 on the season. And with Juju re-signing, you got Juju and Deontay, who are probably going to get more targets than Chase Claypool. So Chase Claypool is probably you know, a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three. So if Tariq Cohen can stay on the field, you know, Maybe he can be an RB2, RB3. I don't think he's going to be an RB1 again, but that's the way I would look at it. (laughs) (laughs) Got to go for that silver lining. That's a a really nice way of of, uh, putting that. (laughs) Justin knows how high I was on Tariq Cohen actually coming Mm -hmm. into last year. I thought this guy had, you know, from PPR upside. You know, he, he could easily crack that top 20 just based on those those receptions. Now, this year, I'm a little less keen on it. But supposing he does, not all is lost, I guess. And you live to mm-hmm. fight another day, hopefully, and make another not-so-bad trade. That's right. Hopefully, if you learned this redraft, lesson. I might, yeah, if it was redraft, I might stick with Nick's, okay, maybe it works out because they'll both be flex options. But the fact that it's Dynasty and you're giving up Claypool, Juju's not going to be there forever. So, and you know, probably picks. not after this year. You can turn those six picks into three higher picks. You can turn those six <laughs> picks into six boats, hypothetically. <laughs> I mean, it could, I, I it could truly be nine it. picks, actually, isn't it? It's nine picks. There's nine? Six, okay. yeah, 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 nine picks. Oh, Nick, you're right. Nick, I want to say you're probably like the either. best friend in the world. Like, I could call you and be like, listen to this terrible thing that I did. And you're going to be like, well, it's not that bad. If you look at it today, I just, you're probably a great, fantastic friend to have. Positive spin. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, Dustin, Guys, wanna, before we okay. get 
Yeah, go ahead. You, real quick, you want to hear something funny? So I'm a Falcons fan. They blew a 28 to three lead. Stop right guess there. What, no. Guess what my birthday is? Guess what my birthday is? 28-3. March 28. March 28. Oh, oh. every year. Yeah, let's see like, a silver I, I lining that, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I haven't muted on Twitter, obviously, but there's always a graphic. There's always a graphic. You can't mute an image, you know? <laughs> so I see it every year on my birthday. Uh, so. That's brutal, man. That is very brutal. <laughs> what is that, like uh, uh, 2.32 in the afternoon? 28 to 3? Oh, oh, oh. So, oh. so March or not March? Um, yeah, March, March twenty eighth at, at two thirty two. That's like that's the worst time ever, huh? <laughs> that's when you have well, to blindfold now now yourself and just <laughs> hope for the time to pass. Basically. Uh, <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Before we get into the meat of the episode, uh, Dustin, I'm just going to go ahead and let the folks know that DTFF is presented by Monkey Knife Fight. I know that football is over and it feels like it's a very long way to go until we get it back. But the good news is Monkey Knife Fight has other sports for you to enjoy. Go over there. Go ahead. Make some props. Do the simple thing. Choose the over or under. Uh, whatever sport. I don't know. They got like lacrosse. They got golf. They got baseball. They got basketball. They got things. They got things for you to enjoy. So head over to monkeyknifefight.com. Use promo code DTFF to sign up, and they will match your initial deposit up to $50. So that's fun, too. Go to monkeyknifefight.com. Promo code DTFF. Yep. Thank you, Jake, for that. So with no further ado, let's get into some NFC South discussion here. So we will start with Carolina. So, Jeff, um, why don't you start by giving us uh, your thoughts on the team Um you know, we can go through their their free agency so far here. Um, none of the teams really in this division made a whole lot of moves, in my opinion, or nothing that was um, super, super impactful. Uh, Carolina, they lost Mike Davis and Curtis Samuel in free agency. Uh, big move for them, bringing in Sam Darnold, which I think um, is the most intriguing move they made. And then they also brought in Dan Arnold and David Moore. So... Um, Nick, why don't we start with you and I'm sorry, Jeff, my bad. Um, mm -hmm. Start with you and give us your thoughts here on Carolina and how they're how you think they're going to do this next season. Well, I think a lot of it has to come down to what Joe Brady can get out of Sam Darnold and uh, what what's uh, I think there's a lot on the uh, on the hands for uh, for Joe Brady here because uh, I mean he's got his opportunity to shine and I, I, I'm really surprised that he's actually still coaching in Carolina because I thought that he might be able to uh, uh, work his way into a head coaching job. So thankfully, as Carolina fans, we have him for at least one more year, um, and this is kind of a, a year long audition for him as a as a head coach. Um, so I, I think that all eyes are on him um, to try to get the most out of Sam Darnold that they can. Uh, and a lot of people think, well, you know, Darnold came out. He was the second quarterback taken in the draft behind Baker Mayfield. Uh, so he's got uh, opportunity and potential, what we all know. And, uh, you know, the owner, David Tepper, is all about trying to, um, you know, find a, a, a commodity, if we, if we think, think about it in stock terms find a commodity that has potential and then hope to get a return on their investment. Right. So um, I think that's what this move is all about. Now they could turn around and they could take a quarterback with the eighth pick in the draft. They still could. 
I don't think they will, but they could, depending on who's there and depending on like uh, you know if they want to trade the pick or, or what. But um, if they if they were to do that, then I would say that that would be the quarterback of the future, and then use Darnold to start this year, and then potentially here's listen to this potentially if um, if if Joe Brady were to move on to a new team, what if Carolina traded to Sam Darnold to that new team that Joe Brady winds up? You know, it all kind of also comes down to, you know, making sure that that Sam Darnold has a good year. So um, I think there's so much hinging on Darnold, but I mean, the offense is there uh, with uh, Christian McCaffrey, with uh, DJ Moore, with uh, Robbie Anderson. You know, they they added in Dan Arnold as far as a tight end. You know, I don't really see a whole lot from Dan Arnold as a fantasy tight end. Uh, we don't really see a lot from Joe Brady in terms of tight ends. We didn't see it last year. We didn't see it really with LSU. So I'm a little bit concerned there. He might be more of a red zone type of threat, but I don't really see a, a fantasy uh, threat there with, with Arnold. Um, but yeah, I mean, right now, as I said earlier, before we went live, you know, it's this division is all about the haves and the have nots. And right now it's the Saints and the Bucks that are controlling the division and the Falcons and the Panthers are, are just trying to, uh, you know, make their way up. One thing that you can mention about Carolina, though, is, uh, you know, the uh, the division in general has some older quarterbacks with, uh, of course, Drew Brees being retired now. Um, you've got Matt Ryan, and of course, Tom Brady, and, and that makes Carolina, you know, a, a team that's kind of on the rise. So I think we're going to see an improvement from them this year, but I'm not exactly hurt. I'm not exactly sure how far they can go. Um, but they'll get McCaffrey back. That's going to help their offense, and you know their defense needs to improve. And I think we'll see that some of that with uh, some of the free agents that they brought in, uh, as well as some of the draft picks that they're going to have, and just another year of of uh, experience. Because I mean, last year we saw them really struggle defensively, especially in uh, soft zone coverage. You know, they didn't play a lot of man at all. And uh, it showed and teams just dinked and dunked on them all the time. And uh, that was the blueprint to beat Carolina. Um, so hopefully that changes with some experience. But, um, you know, they, they're they uh, they're making progress, but they still have a ways to go. And uh, one thing that I just want to say is they're a fun team to watch. Um, like Atlanta, I mean, Atlanta especially, shoot, they had like four wins, but yet they had a, a point differential of only 18 points. I mean, they, they lost their games by a small margin. And, uh, you know, kind of Carolina is kind of in that same uh, conversation. So um, I'm rambling here. But I, I think that the best way to look at Carolina is uh, just kind of enjoy their offense and just kind of hope that their defense keeps up because they have an opportunity to make some waves offensively, uh, especially if Sam Darnold can uh, um, work out to his potential and, uh, of course, help uh, – have have Joe Brady help him with that. I mean, we saw him what he did with with Joe Burrow. Maybe he could do the same with Darnold. I mean, we're going to find that out. And uh, right now, it's just a wait and see for Carolina. Mm -hmm. I do love what you said about their offense being fun. This is a fun team. This is a fun division. When we started prepping for the show, this made me realize, like, this division might be my favorite just from a fantasy perspective overall because there's so many high-impact names to look at. But since you brought up Sam Darnold, we do have to beg the question. I mean, for a fantasy perspective, do we dare? Is is he a, a, a good, ideal, late-round quarterback for you? He's going in the range. I think he still will be around the draft of, like, 
your Daniel Joneses and that type of folk. Is he somebody that you're waiting to just take and see what happens? Well, I mean, you have to look at it like this. Uh, you know, as far as the Panthers are concerned, they had three wide receivers in the top 30. They had a top 20 running back in Mike Davis, believe it or not. And uh, Darnold, or not Darnold, uh, Bridgewater was a top 20 quarterback. Um, you know, not many teams can say that. Uh, so, I mean, there is the possibility that he can rise to the occasion and be that quarterback that uh, they're looking for. Um, and one of the things that Bridgewater struggled with was red zone, uh, converting in the red zone. And now, of course, they didn't have McCaffrey for most of the year. Getting him back is going to help with that. But um, I, I just, you know, we, it's yet to be determined what we're going to see from Sam Darnold. But the opportunity is there and the potential is there. And uh, it's just, like I said, it's a wait and see process. Could he be someone that could turn heads, fantasy speaking? Yeah, absolutely. I thought Teddy Bridgewater could last year too, uh, considering, you know, you've got the offensive pieces, you've got the coaching staff. Um, and Jeff, he's so, coming yeah. in with some it, familiarity too. He's got yeah. Robbie Anderson, who was his guy. That was mm -hmm. his safety blankie in New York. So, you know, he has some familiarity there. He has that relationship and rapport already. So if like you were talking about, if Joe Brady can come in and work with him and elevate his game a little bit, he's comfortable throwing to Robbie. He'll get comfortable throwing to DJ. Anybody could be comfortable checking down to McCaffrey. So, yeah. you know, I, I feel like the tools are there for him. The situation is right for him. So I, I completely agree. I think the potential is there. And, you know, he definitely can step up, especially from, you know, it, it can only go up from where he's been the last few years, right? Like, he, yeah. he's kind of been a, a, a disappointment, to say the least. So, right. um, I think he definitely can. And, Jake, to your point, the NFC South is an awesome division. One of the, one of only two divisions that have each of the teams make a Super Bowl since the realignment in 2002. And it used to just rotate, too, as far as divisional winners. Like, we mm -hmm. each, of the, each of these teams have won at least three division titles since that realignment. I mean, it, there was a time where the last place team was yeah. the first place team the next year. So That's right. I, I won't put anything past Carolina, Atlanta. You know, you guys, you know, you make points that, you know, you guys, <laughs> you have until you have nots. But, you know, I don't put anything past any of you guys. There's potential. Everywhere. I love that he left mm -hmm. the Saints out of that almost on purpose, Cal. <laughs> it felt like an attack. Uh, uh, I mean, there's like, like I said, it's just, it's all about potential and uh, it's a wait and see type of year for Carolina. And, and in a lot of ways it, with Atlanta too, you know, it, it's, it's Atlanta and Carolina. It's just trying to make their way in the division. And uh, like JB said, you know, anything can happen in the NFC South. And uh, that's, I mean, all it takes is, uh, I mean, what happens if Tom Brady goes down, right? Um, what happens if, uh, if the Buccaneers start, you know, and plus you have to, you also have to look at their schedule too. You know, you never know, man. That's, that's just how, uh, that's how I look at it. And, and, you know, they're making moves and getting pieces to, uh, to rise up that ladder and, and try to, uh, regain, if you will, uh, their power in the NFC South. I, I was trying to think of what the, the move for Donald reminded me of, and I eventually figured it out. So like, my kids, if they get $20 from one of their grandparents, you know, they, they want to spend it. So they're like, Dad, can you bring me to Target? And like, it doesn't matter if like nothing is in there that they want. They're going to spend that $20 that day. And the Carolina Panthers decided they wanted a new quarterback. And they missed out on Stafford. They missed out on other ones that they wanted. You know, think the price tag wasn't right or, you know, the things happened with Deshaun Watson that, you know, ultimate, that they don't feel like at eight they're going to get a guy that they want. They probably tried to trade up and weren't able to do so. 
but they decided they were going to get a new quarterback. So they looked around and figured, hey, this Sam Darnold guy, he's available. Let's buy him. And I don't know that it's much of an upgrade. I think, you know, to me, he reminds me not of Derek Carr, but of David Carr. Like it, there's just a lot that is looks broken already to me. The numbers look bad. You can blame it on Adam Gase if you want. But like, I don't think just because Ryan Tannehill went and had success that all of a sudden that means that every quarterback that leaves Adam Gase is going to have more success elsewhere. I think he's got a lot to prove. If I'm going to pin it on something to have hope on, it would be Joe Brady. So I like what Jeff said there. Like he's exactly right. That's, you know, he's really smart. He, he did it with Burrow and, you know, like th things were stacked against them last year, new quarterback, new coach, new OC. It was the only situation in the entire league like that last year. No other team had to deal with that. Only the Panthers. And that was tough. I, I, I like Teddy. So maybe that's just me thinking like, gosh, I don't know why they didn't give Teddy another, another chance. But to me, that's what going out and getting <clears throat> Sam Darnold reminds me of. So can I, can I just say one thing about that? I think there's a lot of truth in what you said, but I also think that they went out and handpicked Darnold. Uh, we know that Matt Rule uh, talked to him when he uh, interviewed for the position with the Jets. Um, so we know that he and, and Darnold kind of meshed well. Um, did they go after Stafford? Yes. Were they looking at rookie quarterbacks? Yes. Could they potentially get a rookie quarterback at pick eight? Maybe not. So they need, they decided to make a move, get the quarterback, use that number eight pick on a, on someone else other than quarterbacks so they don't have to solve that particular issue with a pick. So um, did they go out and spend money? Yeah, I, they did, right? I agree with you there. Um, but I also think that it – and this goes back to Tepper, right? I think he's making – a uh an investment here this is this is something that he's putting his money into and he's looking for a return on his investment you're getting someone who is a little bit lower in terms of uh value and, and capital and he's trying to turn that quarterback into someone who could potentially be um a, a trade option after the year and even if they went and got a new quarterback uh, in in the draft or in next year's draft or whichever um they have that option but yeah, I don't know. We we're talking too long here about Carolina. I'm I'm sure you got to get the show on the road here. <laughs> All right, just but, one um, one more. There's a lot to talk about though. There there uh, there's a there's a lot going on with them. Yeah, so um, we'll just do one more quick question here. Go around the table real quick. Uh, looking at redraft because that's mostly what we uh, focus on here on the show. Um, considering ADP, would you rather have DJ Moore or Robbie Anderson this next season? I'd rather have What's DJ Moore. I'd rather have I'd rather have DJ Moore because I think his ADP is low enough that it's still a bargain if you get him. Um, and uh, you know he was the one who only two other receivers had more. Uh, what was it? More ninety yard uh, receiving games in the NFL last year. Uh, it was um, Stefan Diggs and Calvin Ridley, uh, and DJ Moore was third. So I mean he's he does well. He just needs to get touchdowns. And uh, in my opinion, Moore is the much better receiver. Yeah, just I, I for now, like just for now, I do want to point out this early in the game, ADP probably doesn't mean a ton because so much can fluctuate. But True. right now, at least their ADP, DJ Moore is being wide receiver 28 off the board. Robbie Anderson is wide receiver 35. By the time you get down there, that's a golf of probably a couple of rounds that late into the draft. But um, just for some context there. Yeah, and Jake, that's how I was going to answer that question because we'll see how it goes. I think that DJ Moore will end up elevating in the, in that ADP, and and he'll be more towards the the late teens to early twenties where I think he should be. 
So if that if that you know difference between the two widens more, then I'd answer the question with Robbie Anderson based off of his big play potential, his rapport with Darnold already. So I would answer that you know if I can get him three, four, five rounds later, then yeah, that's the value I'd prefer. But right now at the current ADP, I'm gonna go DJ Moore all day long. Yeah, yeah, I'll wind up holding a lot point. of DJ Moore if that's the case. And, you know, Dynasty is what I typically focus on. And so, like, at, on DLF, like, DJ Moore is going at wide receiver 10. Robbie Anderson is going at wide receiver 54. So there's a much wider gap Ooh. there. Um, but if that's where he's going to redraft and it stays like that, that's what I – yeah, I'm going to own a lot of him in my redraft leagues. So DJ Moore missed one game last year. Uh, so that has somewhat of an effect on here. But last season, Robbie Anderson finished as the wide receiver 19. DJ Moore finished as the wide receiver 25. I like DJ Moore. I like the talent a lot. I would prefer him in Dynasty. I think he's a little bit younger than Anderson. Um, but I would take Robbie Anderson because, like you guys said, I think DJ Moore is going to continue to climb up ADP. And I think Robbie Anderson is going to fall down ADP once we get closer to the season. And DJ Moore, if I remember correctly, he's kind of uh, an intermediate guy, right? Is that right? Meaning like, he became an intermediate 20? route guy, yeah. Yeah, he's not more of a like a deep ball like Robbie Anderson is. So I just think Robbie right. Anderson offers more upside because he, he's going to have those blow-up games. He might be more hit or miss, but I think, yeah, I'd go Robbie Anderson. All right. Very good. Well, let's move on here since we have three other teams to get through yet this evening. Uh, let's move on to uh, a team that is seeing a new quarterback here for the first time in over a decade here. So let's go with the Saints here, Cal. Um You'll lead the charge with this one. So we already talked about how Drew Brees retired this offseason here uh, after just an incredible career. Uh, you also lost Jared Cook, Josh Hill, and Emmanuel Sanders, uh, but retained Jameis Winston and signed Nick Bennett. Uh, so how are you feeling about the the direction of your team here and outlook for this next season? All right, so let's go ahead and rip this Band-Aid off. I <laughs> believe Taysom Hill is going to be the quarterback week one. I do oh, not no. think James Winston. Oof. Now, pull him. Pull him off the podcast, saying. Dustin. You have the power. <laughs> <laughs> I now, can't wait I'm, to hear this, actually. I'm, I'm excited to hear this. Yeah. I'm not saying that I think he's the better quarterback. That's not what I'm saying. So, like, I've been labeled a Taysom Hill truther. I, 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 I'm intrigued, I, but I have no idea what, is, what, what to expect from his talent-wise. But I do not think that they are structuring his contract and the way they've treated Jameis and the way that Sean Payton talks about Taysom Hill. And by the way, when they had a chance to compete for the starting job, which one walked out of there with the, with the quarterbacks starts the last time it was Taysom Hill. So, and you, there's a lot of people who are like, well, that's because they want to keep the value down on Jameis Winston. That's nonsense. They were in the middle of trying to compete for a playoff spot and for the number one spot in the playoffs with the Packers at the time. It was right neck and neck. He's not playing games with the value of his backup quarterback at that point. And there's a lot of Saints fans who just hate Taysom Hill. And I get it. It's fine. But Jameis Winston is is also not a good quarterback, right, JB? I mean, you were not – like, you didn't lose any sleep over the fact that Jameis Winston was no longer your starting quarterback. And Saints fans, for whatever reason, are like, yes, he's going to be the answer for us. No, we faced him over and over again. We know how bad he is. When he came to the Saints, he had completed more passes to Saints, to Saints players than Taysom Hill had. <laughs> we don't want Jameis Winston. But so, Cal, Cal, he got LASIK. 
he got the laser. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so ridiculous. That like, you know, no, I, that's not going to answer the problems for Jameis Winston. Anyway, he might be a better quarterback. I'm not saying he's, I'm not saying Taysom Hill is any good, but I do think what they've done with him, the signs point to him being a quarterback. And I don't think it's going to be as terrible as people think. Um, this is no lie. Sean Payton has compared him to Steve, to Steve Young. I know that's ridiculous, but Sean Payton has forgotten <laughs> oh, way more gosh. about football than we'll ever know combined. <laughs> more so like there's a little bit of something where you have to say, like, maybe he sees something in practice or loves something about him that we don't know. And, you know, I, again, that's just me reading the tea leaves. I know that's not exactly what you asked, but that's the biggest question <laughs> right here in terms of fantasy with the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, Nick. <laughs> So I disagree with pretty much everything you said. <laughs> Everybody uh, does. I get it. That's why I'll, I'll so, just rip that Band-Aid so let, off now. Let me explain my reasoning, okay? So you look at Taysom Hill's stats last year. He had three good games, two against the Falcons, who had one of the worst defenses in the league, and the other one was against the Eagles, who had one of the worst defenses in the league. The one game that he struggled in was against the best defense he played against. He completed nine passes in that game against the Denver Broncos. The reason why I think they started Taysom over Jameis is, like you said, they were competing. And how long has Taysom been in the offense compared to Jameis? So who knows the offense better, Taysom or Jameis? Okay. And here's, if you look here's at the way – hang on. I'm not done. I'm not done. <laughs> and if you look at the way that they restructured Taysom Hill's contract, he didn't get paid that much money. He saved them a bunch of cap space. He took a pay cut. So everyone from the outside looking in off of Twitter – thought that oh my gosh they just gave him a contract extension and he's making so much more money like no he's not he took a pay cut so okay so they did that constantly with drew Brees. like they constantly did things like voidable years at the end um he would make moves to help them create salary cap room and things like that and that was what that, people loved that about drew Brees when he when he was here um you know who they didn't do that with? They didn't do that with with Jameis Winston. They gave him the exact kind of contract that they gave Teddy Bridgewater when he was here for those two years and the contract that they gave him last year. And it's to me, they are saying he is our backup. And the way they are doing the con I, I get it. It's voidable years. It was to help the salary cap. But and 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 look, and it makes sense to do it that way, right? Because I think Sean Payton, even though he believes in, in, in Taysom, I don't think he necessarily is ready to bet the farm on it. So, yeah, it's not like fully guaranteed for a bunch of years. It, it gives him some outs. But he had an out this year. He didn't take it. And real quick on, on, on the Denver Broncos game, this was my feeling going in, into it, and Sean Payton confirmed it afterwards. Taysom Hill was told, hey, the other team doesn't have a quarterback. This is not your game to prove that you are an elite passer in the NFL. Do not make mistakes. And if you watch him, he would see open receivers and then he would hesitate because he didn't want to make a mistake that was going to have a turnover that was going to cause them to get a bad situation against a team that didn't have a quarterback. So to me, those, the numbers for that game, you can completely throw out. Again, I'm not saying he's good. I am saying I think he's going to be the quarterback for this team. The title of this episode is going to be Cal Thinks Taysom Hill is Amazing, by the way. I just want you to know that <laughs> I have before it comes out now. So, Jeff, what do you your rebuttal there? I've got it's a slight rebuttal here, um, and uh, it's something that I just wanted to point out um, in our in our comments. Hanson M four six three says, "Do you think Winston would have resigned without getting some kind of reassurance for the job, though?" 
And this is my thought yeah, too. And exactly. this is uh, I mentioned this as well because he was a free. Uh, Jameis Winston was a free agent uh, this off season, and he could have gone anywhere um, looking for money himself, right? Uh, not necessarily the opportunity with New Orleans. And, and at the time, we didn't know what the. We still don't really know. So um, Hanson M four sixty three and myself, and I'm sure others are probably thinking, well. Would Winston have re-signed with the Saints if he was not going to be featured in the offense? And um, I don't. I, I, I agree with that. I don't. I don't think that. Uh, I don't think he would have unless he was told that. Hey, this is going to be your role. So I think that they're going to. The reason why I think they went with uh, 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 Taysom Hill earlier in the in the in the season last year was uh, like what Cal said, was just the fact that he knew the offense and he was their best chance to move the ball down the field and try to keep things status quo with the Saints. And Winston, we already kind of saw him. He was given the opportunity, and he really didn't do that well. Uh, I don't remember which game it was, who it was against, but I think he came in in the second half or something. Cal, you probably can tell this, but uh, and he just didn't really look that good. And uh, I think they won the game anyway, but there was a lot of question marks there. And and it was like shortly thereafter where we saw more Taysom Hill than we saw Winston. And and I just, man, I don't know. But it, this is this is a polarizing type of topic, and it's probably not going to go away anytime <laughs> soon and, until we finally know. I mean, with the three preseason games, what are we going? What are we going to know? We don't really know. And that's what makes the NFC South so such a fun division. Um, I mean, there's great players. We've seen it before in, in years past with the po- their points. They're just putting points up left and right. And the defenses are struggling with the exception of uh, Tampa, who's playing pretty well. Right. Um, but uh, shoot, I don't know. I mean, it's it's definitely something to uh, to talk about. And obviously we are. I swear yeah, they're going to play 60% of the snaps with Jameis and 40% of the snaps with Taysom just to really screw with everybody. And I'm not going to I'm not going to say that I'm surprised when it happens. I tell you yeah. one thing, though, my interest in Michael Thomas and, uh, of course, Alvin Kamara is going to be hinged on who's that quarterback, because I'm not necessarily too high on either if Taysom Hill is the quarterback. I, I'm just not. I, I I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I'm, I'm a little bit leery. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that, Jeff, 100%. Like, I think if Jameis is the starting quarterback, which, and I'll be brief on this because I, I've watched Jameis and Ended this for years, and it was painful. I mean, it was very painful. But I mean, we're at and I got the number one draft pick. He was he's an actual quarterback versus a gimmick guy. I mean, Taysom is a gimmick guy. Let's let's call a spade a spade. I mean, he's a gimmick he's guy. He's athletic. He's a very athletic gimmick guy, though. And he, right, he, so he, he can, can come it. in and and like Jake said, he can come in and run packages, but. I don't think he's a 40% snap share. I think, you know, you put him in there, let him play a little tight end, let him play a little running back, throw him at quarterback a little bit, fine. But, I mean, we're sitting here debating, all right, who's that quarterback, Jamarcus Russell or Tim Tebow? Like, come on, it, it doesn't matter either way. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? JB, that's the best point anybody's made on this show right there. And I 100% agree with you. Um, I will say this about to answer Hanson's question. Um, the reason why he would re- he would resign as a backup in New Orleans is because he didn't have an offer to be a starter. Bill Belichick yes, looked did. around the league and said, I would rather bring back Cam Newton than mm-hmm. offer a job to Jameis Winston. The Bears said, I would rather pay more money to Andy Dalton than to bring in Jameis Winston. A one-year deal with New Orleans, It's again, he didn't get some big contract with avoidable years and things like that. Like the league has two years in a row now said we don't view him as a starter. 
But in fantasy, we think because he put up good points for our fantasy teams a couple of years ago, he should get an opportunity to start somewhere. Or because he's right. good for the wide receivers, we he should get an opportunity to start somewhere. He's not a good quarterback. There were reports that the Colts and the Bears were interested in signing Jameis, but he decided to sign with the Saints. Reports. So that he could play the Bucks twice a year. <laughs> so that he could play the Bucks twice a year. The Jameis revenge games is what I really want to come out of all of this, oh, quite yeah. frankly. That's why I'm rooting for Jameis so hard. <laughs> How about the Taysom Hill versus Green Bay revenge game? Oh, Stop. Yeah. I hate that so hard. I hate it is one of the most egregious that I mean everything Green Bay's done is egregious, but we don't have time for that on this podcast. <laughs> All right, so one more quick follow-up here about the Saints before we move on. Um, is there anyone on this team other than Michael Thomas or um, Kamara that you're even remotely interested for fantasy purposes? Is Troutman going to be a thing, or is there going to be a wide receiver, too, that pops up on this team? Remotely interested is the key. Um, like, not super interested, that's for sure. And I don't care who the, who the quarterback is. Like even with Ta- even with Taysom, Michael Thomas had like a seventy percent target share or something ridiculous. So I have I, I like I'm not worried about him. Alvin Kamara, I think there's a better uh, argument for um, his his passing totals, his receptions could take a hit if Taysom is the quarterback. I think that's definitely true. Um, but no, I mean Marcus Callaway, I like him as like a talent. I think he's got a pretty talented little receiver. Uh, Traquan Smith, I'm never going to ultimately trust him enough to put him in my lineup. I don't care who the quarterback is or or what the situation is. And Troutman just hasn't done anything. Like, at least with Cole Komet, we saw it a little bit at the end, and he was playing a lot. You know, really high snap share for a rookie rookie tight end. We just didn't see it see enough, in my opinion, from Troutman to have a lot of faith in him, and certainly not in Dynasty Leagues where he's going. Is is more uh, There's other, other players I, I, I'd want. All right. Fair enough. All right, let's move on here uh, to Atlanta. Nick, you're on deck now. Um, Atlanta here, they brought in Mike Davis to replace Todd Gurley, Ito Smith, and Brian Hill, who they all um, have not re-signed or let go this offseason, and also brought in or brought back, I should say, uh, or no, brought in Cordell Patterson. Um, So... Thoughts on the Falcons here? I mean, I, I think the big question is with Matt Ryan. Are the Falcons going to take a quarterback in the draft? And is this kind of his his last hurrah, last year with, with Atlanta? Yeah, so uh, this is kind of funny. The last two days I've been arguing with Jay Moyer, and I can't remember who the other one, his Twitter handle is, on Twitter about Matt Ryan. For some reason, if you look at the Falcons record, I could understand why you think Matt Ryan has declined. But if you watched every game, like I have, unfortunately I've watched every game the last decade, Matt Ryan has not declined. The offense was held back so much by Dirk Cotter last year, it's insane. The offensive line was atrocious last year, but that's also in large part due to Dirk Cotter and how awful of an offensive coordinator he is. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but he ran the least play action and motion in the league. And that's what you need to do in an offense. You look at the 49ers, you look at the Packers, you look at all these other teams and they do that the best in the league and they have the best offenses in the league. And Dirk Cotter, JB, you know how bad of Dirk, an offensive coordinator Dirk Cotter is. <laughs> so, and um, they, I think they have the pieces along the offensive line. The last two years under Dirk Cotter, Matt Ryan was sacked like top three in the league. He was tied for first uh, two years ago. Um, but they have Jake Matthews. They have uh, Matt Hennessy, who played center uh, for a couple games last year when Alex Matt got hurt. You got Chris Lindstrom, who's arguably one of the better young right guards in the league. You got Caleb McGarry, who 
you know, he looked okay last year at times, but I think with, uh, the new coaching staff, you like, you, you look at the Titans. Okay. They weren't that good three or four years ago and their offensive line has gotten better. It's not amazing, but I think Atlanta has the pieces for their offensive line to be better. And that's why they struggled so much last year was because of the play calling and because of how bad the offensive line was. Um, so yeah, Matt Ryan, he's going to be 36 going into the, the season. But if you look at their, the way they restructured the contract, it looks like he's going to be the starter for at least the next two years. Like in 2023, he's got like a $15 million dead cap, but this year it's like $65 million and next year it's like $48 million. So I would be very surprised if they were to cut him. Even if they trade him, they're going to eat a lot of that dead cap, if not all of it, I believe is how that works. Um, so let's say they take Trey Lance at four. I think Trey Lance sits for two years, and then after that they make a decision. What I hope they do is I hope they trade back because then they can acquire another first round pick. If they're bad, then they have the ammo to trade up for a quarterback. So, um, yeah, that was kind of a long winded answer, but I think Matt Ryan's going to be fine the next one or two years, honestly. Okay. And, and how, how are your feelings about Mike Davis? I, I think we all thought Todd Gurley would do better last year than he actually did. I know, we all kind of figured last hurrah for him, but we thought it was a good situation in that offense and obviously did not come to pass. But uh, and we all saw what Mike Davis did last year. I mean, he was a league winner for people uh, filling in for McCaffrey when he went down. So can Mike Davis kind of catch that lightning in a bottle again that we saw this last year? Or was that just kind of a, like I said, lightning in a bottle and it was just a one-time deal? Yeah, so I like Mike Davis. I think he showed flashes last year. I think it's also a product of the offense he was in, though. Um, and Todd Gurley, honestly, he looked okay the first half of the season, but you could tell more wear and tear. He started to slow down. His burst wasn't there near the end of the season. Uh, he scored a lot of touchdowns. Like He was still great in short yardage situations, but when it came to the open field, he's just not what he once was. Like You can tell that knee injury has really taken a toll on him. Um what I thought was interesting was them releasing Ito Smith because he, I mean, he was only on like the second or third year of his rookie contract. I was, that was one of the most shocking things that's happened so far this off season. And then it, they actually um, listed Cordero Patterson as a like kick returner and running back. So I think that's going to be really interesting to see how they utilize him. And I honestly think they're going to draft a running back. Um, like some guys that I would love for them to take is like Khalil Herbert. Um, I think he'd be really good in the scheme and they could get him in the fourth or fifth round. Trey Sermon is another one. Uh, I think Trey Sermon, obviously no one's going to be Derrick Henry, but Trey Sermon is a guy that I think could, you know, be like Derrick Henry. Um, obviously Najee Harris would be the dream, but I don't want them to take a quarter or running back in the first round. And I think Najee's going to go at the end of the first round. Um, but yeah, I think. I don't want any part of the running backs on this team this year because I think it's going to be a committee, and I do think they're going to draft a running back too. Okay. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think they will probably target a running back at 35 uh, if they keep that pick um, and, and who might be available right there. At the top of the second round, you know, a lot of teams will lobby for that pick, you know, being heading into day two, the big draft night day two. Um, teams want to make their uh, their move there. So there may not be a, a back unless, of course, Atlanta makes a move, uh, which they might be able to do if they trade out of four uh, with, uh, you know, get more ammo to do so. But I do think that if they get uh, uh, Javante Williams or Travis Etienne or Najee Harris, then that's obviously going to put a, a, a big 
question mark on Mike Davis in terms of fantasy value. But, uh, uh, you know, as of right now, uh, it's his job, I, you know, and uh, we got to kind of look at it like that. But, um, you know, ask us this question in a month from now and uh, we'll, we'll have different answers. Sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. On the Falcons show that I did, they they were they wanted Kyle Pitts in the first and Javante Williams in the second, which would be just amazing for fantasy. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna I have to score be... eighty points a game, but yeah, it would be amazing <laughs> for fantasy. So yeah, one thing but, you know what, about that is, I think I think Dean Pease is going to turn that team around. That defense is going to be gonna that, uh, that, that defense is going to make some strides, I believe. And uh, the reason why is because of Dean Pease. We've seen what he did in Baltimore. See what he did in Tennessee. I mean, the chances are that he does it in Atlanta is pretty high. So I, I think we are going to see kind of a little bit of a re- rebirth for uh, Atlanta in terms of defensively. It might take a year or two, or maybe even half a season, but I, I do think we'll see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but like out of the like 12 seasons, he's been a defensive coordinator. I think it's like nine of those 12. He's had a top 10 scoring defense. Yeah. And interesting tidbit. I was actually looking this up earlier today because I was doing a little research. Um, the Falcons has, have had a top scoring defense three times. It was 2017, 2012 and 2010. In those three years, they went 13 and three in two years and 10 and six in the other one. They lost in the NFC Championship the year they went 13 and three, and then they lost to the uh, eventual Super Bowl winner in the other two seasons. So they can get a top 10 scoring defense. All I'm they saying need, is they're either they going to go to the Super Bowl, that'll help, or they're gonna or they're gonna lose to the team in the playoffs that's going to win the Super Bowl. So make your bets, <laughs> guys. <laughs> All right. So before we move on, can I just check real quick a pulse mm-hmm. on this question, which I've been dying to ask everybody that I know basically this season, because we all it's Julio and it's Calvin Ridley. And when is the season that it finally becomes Calvin over Julio? I just want to ask straight up for redraft, redraft, ADP be damned. Is it Julio or is it Calvin for you on your teams this year? Nick, let's start with you, obviously. Yeah, so you guys are going to be surprised by this. Last season in a dynasty startup, I took Ridley over Julio. Maybe that's surprising to you guys. I don't know. It was surprising to my you know, uh, league mates that I did it anyways. Um, I still think in redraft Julio, if you watch him play last year when he was on the field, he's still the same exact player. So if he can stay on the field, it's Julio, no doubt. Cal, Cal. what about you? Uh, from a redraft perspective, I still think it's Ridley. I mean, I, I, to me, like he's the more explosive and I, and I feel more comfortable about him staying on the field. I feel like Julio would make these amazing plays and then kind of hobble off the field. Like I, I, that might just be the anecdotal things that I watched, but it just felt like he was hobbling off more than, more than I remembered in the past. Real quick. Um, so Julio has played at least, uh, so this last season was the only season he missed more than two games since he broke his foot in his second year in the season. If you look at his snaps, when he plays, it seems like he comes off the field a lot, but that's just the way that Atlanta rotates their wide receivers. Ridley does it too. Julio plays the most snaps across the wide receivers when he is in the game of play. So, Yeah, and I was going to say that too, because he has been, you know, as much as you want to put the injury tag on him, he has been relatively healthy through his career and, and a playmaker when he's on the field, but... I mean, you can't really go wrong with either one, right? I think both of them will be top 15 wide receivers. I mean, if I had to 
given edge to one, I probably would still put in in redraft. I'd probably still put Julio just a, a tad above Ridley right now. But what I'm concerned about, and I would probably draft Ridley over Julio because I'm concerned about it. I think last year allowed Matt Ryan to develop the rapport with Ridley and trust in him and know that he came to him on big plays. He, you know, anytime they needed a big play, they would look to Ridley and Ridley would come through. So I think that it, it kind of starting to swing that way. So in a perfect answer to your question, Jake, I think this year is the year where it does start to the, the scale kind of starts to tilt. All yeah. right. It kind of reminds me a little bit about Julio uh, overtaking Roddy White. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it, it that happened. And when it did, it, it just, you know, he took the torch and ran with it. Um, my pick here would be Ridley. Let's just say it's the beginning of the third round, middle of the third round in redraft, and both Ridley and Julio Jones are on the on the board. I'm taking Ridley because I, I believe that he's going to be playing more games. I, I think we're going to be um, more apt to uh, not necessarily worry about whether or not we can play him a certain week. I mean, we've come to that conclusion that we see that with Jones. It's great when he plays, but if he doesn't play, what is that going to do for my redraft team? Nothing. So I would I would rather go with the the mainstay, and in my opinion, that's Ridley. All right, you have uh, one more one more thing on that. Calvin Ridley actually hasn't played a full sixteen game season. I don't know if a lot of people realize that. Um, and last season, I did the math for a, a thread I did on Twitter uh, a couple months ago. Julio was on pace to be the wide receiver six, and when Julio was um, when he Julio was playing those nine games with Ridley, Ridley was on pace to be like the wide receiver. I think it was like 11. So I still think Julio has that top five upside. And I think Ridley more so has that top top 12, you know, top 10 upside when Julio's on the field. Because even though they like they got chemistry last year, watching the games the previous year, Matt trusts Ridley like he would throw it up. He doesn't he doesn't care. He trusts him. And that trust has been there. So I, I understand where you guys are coming from. But Julio is Julio is still Julio. So that's who I'm calling <laughs> All right, so um, we're hitting, we're getting close to an hour here, so I want to be cognizant of your guys' time. So uh, let's move on, finish up the division, go with Tampa Bay. Uh, and we JB. were out of time. I'm so sorry, you guys. That was so fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we don't need to talk about Tampa Bay. <laughs> hey, uh, what do you call a Buccaneers fan before Tom Brady arrived? Sad. A Patriot fan. A Patriot fan. Sad. <laughs> Uh, oh man, uh, just kidding. I'm not really. Um <laughs> so uh off-season moves here. Um haven't re-signed Antonio Brown yet. Um maybe you can touch on that uh briefly here once we get through this if you've heard anything about uh any movement on that. Uh looks like LaShawn McCoy is out uh with the signing of Giovanni Bernard and they've also re-signed Fournette and Gronk. So, uh want to start with that backfield. With Geo there now and Fournette, um, Mr. Playoffs himself, how, how do you see that backfield uh, playing out this next season? Very muddy. <laughs> you know, and I love the Geo signing because Tom Brady desperately needed a pass catching back. I mean, you, you saw it last year. He just he had no faith in, in Jones or Fournette. I mean, Ronald Jones had so many drops that – you could actually see Tom Brady throw his hands up or roll his eyes. And it, it was just frustrating for him because he's had such a reliable pass catching back for so much of his career. So that Geo signing, I love. And Geo's also a phenomenal blocker on passing downs. 
So you're going to see more Geo than we'd like for fantasy purposes. I do think that Ronald Jones has the potential to be a ground and pound back, a guy that you know can bust off the big plays. We've seen him do it. We've seen him explode through the hole and, and burst off that you know 60, 70 yard carry. So he can be that big play. But we saw playoff Lenny come through in the playoffs and just be that guy. So to answer your question, Dustin, I have no freaking clue <laughs> what this backfield is going to look like, and it's going to be a mess. And I don't know that I would be interested in any of them, honestly, you know, in, in fantasy purposes. I think it's, it's great for football purposes, mm-hmm. but not great for us in the it's, fantasy it's realm. Really, it's really interesting to see the evolution of the Buccaneers and the offense that they are, are uh, accumulating with Tom Brady. And it's very, very similar to New England. You know, a running back who is strong, right? Uh, and then you've got James White, and then you've got a few other guys. That's Tampa Bay right now. And... Um, Leonard Fournette might have a couple good games where he has like two touchdowns, 80 yards rushing, you know, whatever, right? We can see that from him, but I'm not sure we're going to get that consistency. In my opinion, the fantasy guy that we should target on on Tampa Bay is Giovanni Bernard because he's going to be the James White of that of that offense, and we all know that James White was a a, a, a great fantasy play with uh with the Patriots you know getting 80 80 catches I mean could he get that yeah absolutely he could especially in Brady's offense that he just he knows how to win and that's his blueprint and he's gonna he's taking it to Tampa and that's exactly what they're going to do I get it I would pump the brakes on that a little bit Jeff because it's a little bit of a different offense than what they had in New England there's Mm -hmm. way more weapons on this Tampa team so Tom Brady had to rely on James White a lot more than he'll have to rely on Giovanni Bernard I think that Geo will still have fantasy relevance in a PPR league, but I would pump the brakes on comparing him to the James White role because I don't think it's going to be as much of an importance on this Tampa team when you have so many weapons. I mean, mm-hmm. that's true. That that's true. Or we could see those other weapons kind of, you know, kind of drop down a little bit in terms of their numbers too. Um, but but yeah, I get your point. I will say that protecting Brady is a priority. And bringing Gio in, who's a great blocker, having Gronk, who said that he came back to play to block, that's the priority. They're going to keep guys back to block for Brady so that he's protected, so that he stays upright. Because if Brady goes down, like somebody mentioned earlier, we're screwed. So, I mean, they're going to keep a tight end in to block for Brady. They're going to have a a blocking running back in to block for Brady. So, uh, fantasy-relevant running backs is going to be very reliant on big play potential. Mm-hmm. JB, can I just ask then, is any single player on this team going to crack top 10 at their position? I mean, Brady included at this point. Do you see that for anybody here? Yeah, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Ooh. I don't know about that. I'm, I'm, wow. I mean, that's strong, and I, I, I love your enthusiasm, <laughs> but I don't, I don't see that. They're, they're going to cancel each other out for one, and, uh, and I mean, unless, of course, one gets hurt, then another one elevates, but... I just, uh, that's a very good question. I, I, I don't see it. That's just my opinion. I, I think we're going to see, uh, we're, we're just going to see involvement across the board. Like we always do with Brady offenses. Yeah. But you know what? If Antonio doesn't resign and Dustin, that was one of the questions that you wanted to bring up was on Antonio. And I think that if he does come back to play this year, it's going to be with Tom Brady. He's not going to go anywhere else. I don't know if anybody else even wants him. So I think if he does come back, it'll be to Tampa, but he might not. And if he doesn't, this offense is going to revolve around Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And he's going to throw the ball. And, you know, Brady showed that, look, all that talk about him, his arm strength being down the previous year in New England, he dispelled that. 
He was throwing BBs last year, fitting passes into windows that I didn't even. Uh, I'm sitting there going, "Oh!" And then, "Ooh!" So you know, like he he still has it, man. And he's got two of the best wide receivers in football. One of the one right there and one right there. So I mean, it, he's going to throw them the ball. Look, when you have playmakers like that, these are, these are the best wide receivers he's had in his career. He's never had two guys like this before in his career. So he's going to throw them the rock, and it was a winning formula. He knows mm-hmm. how to win, and he'll play Carolina and Atlanta twice a year. Um, plus, what is it, the <laughs> NFC South this year? Or sorry, NFC South. Oh, hello, NFC East. <laughs> yep, I think is who they play, right? So yep. Giants, Eagles. Yeah, it'll, it's going to be a fun year. Locking the Super Bowl now. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you yeah. had uh, saying that that you think Godwin and Evans are both going to be, you know, potentially top 10, uh, who would you take then? If you had to, if you had to put your stake in their ground, which one's going to finish higher this season? Yeah, for me, it's always Mike Evans. The answer is always Mike Evans. I've been yeah. fighting for the last seven years that Mike Evans is a top five, uh, top 10, borderline top five wide receiver in this league. And living in New York... I've had to fight with New York fans for the past seven years that he's better than Odell Beckham. And I just wanted to wring their neck because just because the guy makes a, a one-handed catch and breaks a long pass doesn't mean he's a better wide receiver. Mike Evans has had seven consecutive seasons of 1,000 yards. That's unheard of. I mean, you might not look at him as a consistent player from a fantasy perspective because he doesn't do it from week to week. When he plays these guys, somehow Lattimore gets his number and he doesn't have a big game. But he ends the season putting up a thousand yards. I mean, the guy is is as consistent for a season as it can get, and he's just he's a he's a physical specimen, and he's a great human being. I mean, I I'll just knowing people in Tampa and people that work for the organization, the things that he does for the community, how much he's invested in the community. Not only is he a great player, but he's a great human being. So, I mean, I'm always gonna plant my flag on Mike Evans. All right, Cal. What about you? Which which one would you rather have this season? 100% agree with JB right there. Mike Evans, I think he's one of the most underrated elite wide receivers in the league. I think nobody talks about him as a top five talent. I think he's clearly a top five talent wide receiver in the league. And look, I like Godwin, but um, if I have to choose between the two, it's going to be Evans. Nick? Yep. Um, I love Mike Evans. Mike Evans is one of my favorite wide receivers in the league as a Falcons fan, but I would choose Godwin. Um, I just like what Godwin brings to the table a little bit more, but I, I, I think they'll both be top 15 wide receivers. All right. And Jeff. Yeah. Evans is my guy as well. Um, I echo the sentiments that uh, you guys have already mentioned. Um, yeah, he's just, uh, the, the consistency is there. Uh, he scores touchdowns. We know that we know that Tom Brady likes him in terms of his ability in, in the red zone. So yeah, Evans is my guy. I'm going to say this real quick, Dustin. And, and, if all of the wide receivers stay healthy and it allows Godwin to play out of the slot in three receiver sets, he's going to get a lot more targets playing that Edelman role in a Tom Brady offense. So he is going to get more targets that way. But like Jeff said, when it comes down to the red zone, it's Mike Evans. You're throwing a slant to Mike Evans. You're throwing a fade to Mike Evans. Touchdowns matter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. So then I guess um, if, if we're all expecting these wide receivers to produce this season, we're assuming Brady's going to finish top 10 again this season? Yeah, as long as he's healthy. I mean, look, mm-hmm. the, the, thing, the reason why I'm wearing this shirt right now is because we pretty much stayed healthy last year. You know, we had guys in and out and, you know, some banged up guys in, in the secondary and, of course, the wide receivers. But we stayed relatively healthy through the season. So as long as 
we can do that again and Brady stays healthy. And again, I think they're going to put a lot of focus in keeping him upright, keeping him protected. Our offensive line is, I mean, we have some really good players on the offensive line, Ryan Jensen, Ali Marpet, even Donovan Smith, who's been such a question mark for all these years, played phenomenally last year. And, and, you know, I was, I was one of the people that wanted his head on a stake, you know, for the last three years. So he did a great job. I think Brady came in and said to him, look, bro, you got my blind side. You need to step your game up or I'm going to get rid of you. And he, and he did. I mean, you know, playing with, I talked to Roy Cummings from who, who reports for the Bucks, and, and he said just, what Brady brings to that team and what he brings to the whole organization is just a completely different mindset. I mean, this young secondary that everybody had doubts on, you know, they came in saying, I get to practice against Tom Brady and how he elevated their game. The wide receivers, the linemen, I mean, a guy like Brady coming in who has a championship pedigree, who's been there, who's, who knows how to win, they all want to do what he did. So they followed in his footsteps, they followed his leadership, and they're going to do everything they can to keep him healthy, keep him on the field, and keep him as a leader. So as long as he's healthy, absolutely, he's top 10 with that, with those weapons. All right. I think that's a good place to end it for this evening. So uh, we'll go around the room here uh, before we let you go. Uh, if you'd like to all just say where we can find you and what you do. And then also uh, as an added bonus, who you think is going to win the division this year. So uh, Jeff, let's start with you. All right, well, uh, Tom Brady has made an appearance in the Super Bowl 10 times in 20 years. So you flip a coin whether or not he's going to make it to the Super Bowl or not. The whole division is about dethroning Brady. They can do that, then there's a chance. Um, right now, Tampa is the team to uh, team to beat. I think they're going to win the division. As far as me, you can find me at footballguys.com. Um, I do right now in the offseason, I'm doing a lot of dynasty stuff, rookie things, uh, draft uh, rankings, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, also my podcast for Carolina, Carolina fandom, um, check that out as well. And, uh, I appreciate you having me on the show. All right. Absolutely. Nick, you're next. Yeah. Um, so the question was who's going to win the division, right? And then where you can find our work. Cause that was what it was. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the Valkyrie going to win the division. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> if you, okay. This is my reasoning though. They lost eight one-score games last year. Like Jeff said, the point differential was minimal. And five games they lost by a combined, it was 15 points. They lost one game by one point. And, they, and, and I think it was four of those games, they had a fourth-quarter lead. So this team's not as far off as people think. There's not a lot of times you're going to see a team as good as the Falcons pick in top five. And I think that's why they might go quarterback. But if they don't go quarterback, you know, Kyle Pitts, uh, Panay, Sewell, uh, who knows what they're going to do. But I think this team can easily win 10 or 11 games, and I think that's what's going to win the division this year. Um, but, yeah, so that's my prediction. The Falcons are going to win. Uh, you can find me at Nick Penikoff on Twitter. Uh, I do stuff for the Fantasy Football Astronauts. We have the best film room in the industry, and it is free. So check it out. All right, JB. <laughs> Oh, coming over to me. I thought you were going to save the champs for last again, but oh, look, Tim Tebow is here. <laughs> no, Nick, I, I will say I do think that the Falcons will come in second in the division, and I obviously think the Bucks will win the division. And part of that, like Jeff was saying earlier, you got to look at the schedule. We don't play a first-place schedule. These chumps play the first-place schedule. We play a second-place schedule. That's so right. they're coming in with team, Tim Tebow or, or Jamarcus Russell playing a first-place schedule. <laughs> I think they're going to go from first to last in the division, to be honest with you. I'm sorry, Cal, but I think it's going to be a rough season for you guys. 
Um, Nick, I do think you'll come in second, and I obviously have the Bucks winning the division. As long as we stay healthy, we're winning another Super Bowl. I mean, it, it's we brought everybody back from a Super Bowl championship team, so we're only going to get better from there. We're going to draft pieces that can play rotational roles. I mean, I got them targeting away or, or Barmore in the first round, so there's there's a, a rotational rusher right there, right off the bat. So. We're going to be right back to win another Super Bowl. You could find me on Twitter at FantasyCoachJB. I write for Razzball. You could find me on uh, Fantasy Magnus Podcast, which will be back soon, or the Fantasy Besties Podcast, which we air every Monday night. It's a live pod. We have a lot of fun, a lot of great people on there. So definitely come in, check us out. Always a good time. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And Cal, finish off with you here. Okay, first, your guy in the comments, Hanson, Mark, I think is his name, uh, is hilarious. I just went and followed him on Twitter because uh, he's just like killing it in the comments section. So great job. Um, uh, you can find me uh, right here at Calvin and Hobby on Twitter. I produce content for DynastyLeagueFootball.com and for Dynasty Vipers. I'm, on the, I'm the co-host of the Vipercast there. And uh, certainly just uh, would love to interact with anybody out there. So certainly hit me up. And make fun of me for my Taysom Hill takes. It's okay. I have thick skin. I can take it. Um, and yeah, I think the Saints are going to win the division. And this guy is going to be holding the Lombardi Trophy at the end of the year. So <laughs> I'll bet you a thousand dollars on that, Cal. A thousand dollars right now, and I'll give you two to one. <laughs> wow. Uh, I think that's, that's a great way to end it, folks. <laughs> sure. Jason Tebow is not going to be hoisting anything. <laughs> Jake, where can folks We're find you? Oh, they can find me on Twitter at Jake Drubbage. I like that you asked this question, by the way, because you didn't tell them the secret answer, which is that the Packers are going to win the whole damn thing, and it doesn't matter what anybody else said tonight. Uh, but you can find me at Jake Drubbage. You re-signed it. Kevin King. Not going to happen. <laughs> so, just too soon. No. Too soon. The real question is, are you guys going to draft a quarterback again in the first round and a running back in the second round again this year? No, Absolutely. we're going to draft three fullbacks in the first, second, and third rounds. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, uh, this this has been a great show. Thank you all so much for coming on. Uh, you can find our podcast at Drinking okay. Fantasy on Twitter, and then you can find me at FF Dusty Dog if you really want to. Um, and until next week, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FFers. <laughs>